Mike's Video Game Podcast. I miss you, Mike. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike's Video Game Podcast. I'm Mike Geig. And I'm Michael Wu. And welcome back, Mike. Uh, hey, thanks. From sunny Seattle. Very sunny Seattle, right? <laughs> so uh, we may have noticed uh, a little intro vocal track there. Uh, you want to tell us about that? Oh, yeah. That was from my most recent trip to Seattle. I happened to be going to a friend's birthday party, a uh, former studio mate from Bungie, and uh, one of the other guests happened to be Jen Taylor, the voice of Cortana. Now, uh, I, I used to say Cortana from Halo, but now mm-hmm. she's Cortana from the cloud. Everything. <laughs> Everything. The Cortana. And uh, it reminded me that uh, you said you were going to get a Windows phone just so that you could have Cortana <laughs> talk uh, to you. That was the plan at, at one point. Uh, but now Cortana's coming what, to, to all platforms, really. She's coming to Android, right? Oh, I didn't even know that. Maybe she's not. I thought she was. Oh, okay. If she's not, maybe then maybe I might still have to get a Windows phone. She's coming to Xbox. That's good <laughs> okay. enough for me. But, uh, yeah. So, obviously, uh, kind of a, a, a an odd conversation to be because we've had this conversation mm-hmm. before. Um if anyone's noticed that it's taken a very long time for this this next episode to come out, this is well, this is episode number four because yeah, because yeah, three was no, because we were, we've done four before. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, we recorded four. Uh, Mike was in Seattle, and the the audio quality was not good. The track kept cutting out, and uh, so we scrapped it. And so it's been a while, and um, that's so. This is actually episode four, part two. Where we've already had this witty banter, so it's episode four, uh, Groundhog Day, uh, <laughs> right. with uh, with uh, Bill Murray as our guest star, and uh, we're just gonna keep repeating the same episode. So yes, uh, so thank you very much for getting that. Uh, My uh, pleasure. It was uh, fun to ask her uh, if she could do us a favor. Well, it's and funny. She was, she was a good sport. The track that you sent me, you, you two are just giggling <laughs> in between, <laughs> right. like so, right. <laughs> just a bunch of little giggles yeah. and stuff in between. <laughs> so all right, good stuff. So a little bit about your Seattle trip. Why don't you uh, let us know what you were up to? Well, I was there mostly for personal business, taking care of a house back there. But I did have a chance to go and visit quite a few friends. Um, and I hope we didn't cover this in episode three, but it was friends talking about their ventures in virtual reality. I don't believe so. Okay. It's new content. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really striking to me how much things had changed in just the year since my previous visit. Because I go mm-hmm. there every uh, spring and or summer. And... Uh, in that time, it went from everybody's working on mobile mm-hmm. to, holy cow, there's been a huge uh, expression. Yeah, expression yeah. of interest on the part of platform holders. Those platform holders being Microsoft with HoloLens, mm-hmm. Valve uh, with the Vive. Yep. And then uh, Facebook has opened a, an Oculus Rift uh, office in um, the university district. Right. Okay. Yep. So there you have three AR or VR platform holders, mm-hmm. all looking for people to engage on the content side. Right. So lots of little companies spinning out of larger studios such as Bungie and others uh, to create their own VR or VR film companies. It's kind of a, an organic progression if you think about it since uh, with uh, things like uh, Cardboard and uh, Samsung Gear VR, mm-hmm. the mobile device is the VR device. Yeah. So it's if you were a mobile dev, this is just kind of the next logical step. Is like I'm going to continue using my phone, but in this new way. Uh, and then obviously we have the dedicated hardware also kind of fitting into that. So interesting. Um, so yeah. So uh, impressions. What What did you like? Well, I had only ever heard or read about VR, mm-hmm. and every time I had talked to a friend about VR, they're like, "Oh yeah, it's really cool." Yeah. But I had never experienced it for myself. Oh okay. Till uh, this trip, and I had um, the good fortune to. Uh, make a lunch uh, appointment with uh, Bernie Yee over at uh, Oculus. He's a, a senior producer over there. And so he gave me a tour of the, um, oh shoot, I don't want to misquote it. It is the latest, almost like the retail um, hardware, but it's still in a prototype stage. It's called the Crescent Bay. Crescent Bay, yep. Yeah. And so I think you've used that one I as have, well. Yes. And you've probably had all the demos that I went through, mm-hmm. you know, the dinosaur and mm-hmm. the, the cool alien stuff and all yep. that. And uh, I think there's a bunch of Unreal specific ones. Um, I don't remember alien stuff. <laughs> like when you when you look at an alien and it responds to you? No, you that, see that I one? must have missed that one. Okay. Well, okay. So then let's redact that part because I'm not sure if I was supposed to talk about specifically about that one. Okay. <laughs> um, well, if you're saying it's Unreal Tech, 
Um, I only did the one that was at like Unity booth at okay. GDC. So if okay. it was made with Unreal, that's probably... Okay. So I'm sure, because Bernie said um, every developer who's interested in developing and they get to see the Crescent Bay, they yeah. see that stuff. We'll look it up. Make yeah, sure it's yeah. findable on the internet. Right. So we're good. Um, well, let me say uh, I found it very compelling. I have not responded to a piece of technology like this since the first time I ever laid eyes on an Apple computer okay. when mm-hmm. I was like a 10-year-old kid. A tot. Yeah, we yeah. taught. <laughs> uh, this thing blew my mind. It would, mm-hmm. It's bonkers. Your entire body responds to it in a way. You want to feel things. Yeah, you, know, you, you do feel things that it cannot actually be there, ghosts. but your brain is saying this is real. Mm-hmm. And it can get confusing. You can get ill if there's a lot of implied motion. Like mm-hmm. if the simulation is saying, I'm moving your body. Uh, very rapidly, That's what makes you get me, confused. Yeah. Um, but it, there are a lot of experiences, and I can go into a little bit more detail about mm-hmm. this. You know, where you're stationary and the virtual reality is moving around you. Yes. And that's totally compelling and fun. I I can't play an Oculus game like a first person shooter, right? Mm-hmm. But because I just get sick like mm-hmm. straight away. But like a racing game or a flying game, fine. Because you, you know your body's used to you're not you're, you're moving, but you're not really moving. You're mm-hmm. sitting there, you know. Um, one of the really things, uh, one of the things I really liked about the um, uh, the HTC Vive, the Valve Vive, or whatever, uh, is that you're actually up and moving around. Right, mm-hmm. you put it on your head, uh, it scans the room, and you actually mo- you you do physically move. So there's not that disconnect where your body's like, I'm not moving. Your brain's like, Yes, you are. Um, so you are actually moving, and I found that to be an enjoyable experience without motion mm-hmm. sickness because you are actually moving. Now, the what you can do with that is rather limited because you are in a room. You don't want to go running ahead. Right. You, a wall. I think it's 15 by 15 foot. Something like that. Yeah, it's like their, their general spec for, mm-hmm. for a, what they call room scale. Mm-hmm. That I, I happened to meet uh, with my friends at Endeavor one and, and they're working on all the platforms. Oh, cool. And, um, and they were talking about how cool it was to uh, use room scale. That's fives technology, mm-hmm. um, for their game duel. But, uh, that's a game where it's, it's sort of like Tron's uh, Disc okay. Wars. Oh, right, right. So you're okay. moving around a platform, trying uh-huh. not to fall into the depths, and uh-huh. you're, you're blasting away. With did, you do, did you did you happen to do the Vive demo? I did not. Oh, okay. The one of the ones. So the Oculus, you know, you're, you're generally supposed to sit down. So yeah. most of the demos with mm-hmm. that, you're sitting down. But the Vive one that I did, the one that really stands out to me is like you load up. It's almost like the Matrix or the Construct where you mm-hmm. load in, right? Yeah. And uh, you're on this like edge of a cliff, and you're looking down over just this drop into the ocean. And uh, when I was doing it, there was a guy in the room running the demo. And he's uh-huh. like, well, just take a step forward. Yeah. And you're like, I could I if I, I could if I want to. Like, <laughs> I, I'm cool here, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know it's not real. And it's weird. So, so I, you take a step forward. But for that split second, you're like, what are you doing? Right. You're going to die. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's a very neat experience. Or like there will be a pipe near your head and you'll duck. Like, yeah. oh, I don't want to hit right. my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And the graphics don't have to be photoreal to be mm-hmm. completely convincing. It's the frame rate that counts. The frame rate, yeah. And um, uh, the, with yeah. the current, uh, the DK2 is 75 hertz. Mm. And I believe, I don't know, Crescent Bay might be faster. I know the Vive is faster. Faster, faster is always better, right? right? Um, and I think the project, is it Morpheus for um, Sony? Sony? I think yeah. they're, they're targeting 90 hertz. 95 was kind of the target okay. that everyone was trying to hit. And, okay. and in the future, even higher than that, yeah. you know, but you can only refresh so, so quickly. But uh, I believe um, was it, it's uh, it's Carmack right uh, mm-hmm. over at um, Oculus. I believe they're working hard on a a screen refresh hardware algorithm. I'm gonna just make terms mm-hmm. up because they sound smart. Um, but basically, you know, right now your screens refle- refresh vertically, right? Mm-hmm. So row after row after row refreshes, which is why if you take a video camera and you record a like a cathode ray tube monitor, you see that flicker. Yeah, you see the scan right? line. It, the yeah. scan line, right? Mm-hmm. So this algorithm would effectively um, refresh in not a random order. It would be predetermined, but not linearly. Mm-hmm. It would refresh maybe one near the middle, then one near the bottom, and then one mm-hmm. near the top, right? And so the effect is there would be no more scan line, no more flicker, right? So basically every line would kind of be refreshing, you know, again, at a set interval, but the, the intervals themselves would not cascade. Mm-hmm. So your eyes would see no flicker. Mm-hmm. There would be no flicker. And uh, so it would just, instead of like a, an area of the brightness of the lines that just refreshed and then the darkness of the lines that are about to refresh, you would have sort of an even mm-hmm. dimming of mm-hmm. the entire screen mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, which you could then compensate for by just turning right. the brightness or whatever. Um, but that would remove eye strain, most mm-hmm. importantly, the eye strains because you're putting your eyes so yeah. close to a screen with a focused yeah. lens. 
uh, remove eye strain and uh, just kind of uh, smooth out the experience. And, uh, but it's hard to do, right? Because hardware is built to do that linear yeah. cascade of refreshing. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of something that they're working on to fix that, mm-hmm. I guess. It's an implicit issue with the hardware. So that could really uh, not only just change VR tech, but really all display tech. Right, I mean, a patent on that would right. be worth more than gold. <laughs> hmm. uh, Maybe that's why Facebook is so interested in this platform long term. Well, he he didn't join until after Facebook, did he? Or did he join before? I don't remember. I think it's Carmack working on it. I, oh I, yeah, I, yeah, no, he's yeah. the chief technology officer yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm now. I'm just trying to yeah. stretch my brain and remember things. It's yeah. never very useful. Well, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, is on the record earlier this year saying his plan is a 12 year plan for. Um, AR slash VR mm-hmm. that he believes it is the next uh, mm-hmm. step in platforms just like we went from p- desktop PCs to mobile and now the mobile will uh, be augmented with the AR slash VR and that mm-hmm. the, you know we won't be wearing these bulky goggles in the future we'll be wearing you know what would have been Google Glass had it succeeded uh, this wearable yeah. piece of tech that's much more comfortable I don't know Google Glass has failed but I see what well, you're saying well they discontinued it in well yeah it, it was yeah. never actually like a real like program it was more of like hey let's see what's going on but and probably in that regards they were successful but no with the continuation of the hardware line they could see yeah yeah, that that ended so until we see glass two where there's one over each eye (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you never know oh yeah some some certainly cool stuff there and um yeah the demos the demos are certainly wild the um the HoloLens is uniquely intriguing to me because everyone always throws the HoloLens in with all the others, but HoloLens is not VR. Right. It's AR, AR. right? Mm-hmm. And it's really the only offering that it's AR. And so um, that's what's uh, uniquely interesting about that. And I've not had a chance to use the HoloLens. I, uh, I'm getting a development kit like the, as soon as they're available because I've already gotten requests okay. uh, to do work with the uh, That's with cool. Yeah, I know. I'm excited about mm-hmm. that. But uh, – but it, from my understanding, because I, I was talking to some some uh, the actual Microsoft uh, tech evangelist, and I said, you know, like okay, Hololens is it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I see the the, the marketing data, yeah. and I'm yeah. like, and the videos, yeah. it's not that good. no, it never yeah. is. It's yeah. never as good yeah. as the marketers tell you it is, right? That's kind of the idea. Uh, you can't trust them, uh, and uh, their kind of consensus back to me was like, it's not really, it's not that, but it's amazing, mm-hmm. and it's like they're like it's not there maybe uh-huh. but it's still going to blow your uh-huh. mind and so now i just can't wait to get my hands on <laughs> one so um just to see exactly how you can push it and what you can do with it so um because that's a pretty that's a pretty exciting and, and everyone else non-microsoft affiliate that i've talked to is kind of echoed that where like they're like what's well, new tech so you have to remember yeah. it's new tech but it still changes everything yeah. and so uh, yeah that sounds pretty cool yeah i'm really excited about both ends of this development both on the augmented reality and the virtual mm-hmm. side um, from two perspectives and uh, probably in the long term more from one than the other one is as, as a consumer like mm-hmm. oh i cannot wait to Get play your hands on it like if we could play a version of the game arc that you and i were just mm-hmm. taking a look at uh in a virtual reality setting that didn't make us sick mm-hmm. oh my god it's just it's every kid's fantasy even our adult you know yeah. gaming fantasies come to life it is so immersive it'll be so compelling you don't have to go to disney world mm-hmm. anymore this is the ultimate in, in when we get wish a, fulfillment when we get a chance let me show you elite dangerous with the oculus rift oh, okay dude oh my god oh my god <laughs> it's so cool but yeah i mean yeah it's yeah, just so yeah. cool but then the other side other than as a consumer is as a content producer i cannot wait for us to be able to create content to code to design, to paint, to sculpt, to model, in that world, and to iterate in a virtual or augmented way. And I, I saw an early tech demo of that, and it oh, was really? obviously a very uh, inferior workflow, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was a hey, let's see what could happen. And uh, what is it? Is the, is it the Hydra controller, the one that's the the uh, finger controllers that uh, there's like a middle orb and you've got one in each hand and it allows you to like pinch with your fingers and, and oh, sort of, uh, it's like of the this. leap, but it's um, uh, instead of like an infrared single line scanner, mm-hmm. it's it's like this orb thing that tracks your hands in 3D space or something like that. But I think it's called the Hydra. I don't quite remember it. But this guy had an Oculus on and uh, two Hydra controllers mm-hmm. and he was using that to place vertices in a mesh uh, and, and kind of sculpt. 
uh, in 3D space with these controllers with the goggles on. Now, obviously, he, he spent the video, or the time of the video, was, it was a few minutes long, constructing basically a sphere, right? <laughs> and so you're like, well, okay, obviously not a polished workflow because spheres are very easy to make through, you know, normal means. Um, but the idea is that, like, okay, this is just something we put together. Imagine if we actually, like, spent time refining this workflow and got people on board, how you could physically, you could take real physical sculptors and turn them into to virtual sculptors, and there would be really no real difference, except for, you know, tactile feedback. But still, I mean, the, the implications are, are pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Neat stuff. I w- I've been sold on, on VR, or for AR, um, for a long time. I remember 2006, maybe. I was standing in a field in the middle of somewhere. I don't know. I was taking pictures of something. I was getting into photography at that time. In the middle of a field, I was probably trespassing. (laughs) I'm certain I was trespassing. And I'm like, I just earlier that day installed an AR app on my Windows mobile phone, (laughs) Windows 6, uh, my first smart device ever. (laughs) Looking back on it, it was awful. I had the start menu and everything. And, uh, And I just pull up this app and I like, and I like, put it up in the air and I turn on this augmented reality app and I'm like, find me a pizza place. And I start walking around and, and the screen is showing me what the camera's seeing behind it. And then it just puts a, a, a marker on the screen saying, if you walked a mile and a half that direction, you would be at a pizza place. And I'm in the middle of a field and I know a mile and a half that way is a pizza place. I said, I am a god. <laughs> like here I am in, the, yeah. in this field and data is falling down yeah. to me and I, I'm omnipotent. omnipotent. Yeah. And at that point I was like, okay, this is is cool tech. Yeah, it's like having a, a HUD in a video game that shows you waypoint markers. It's like and having it's like your own not... Cortana. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to bring it around. Yeah. That's right. Just feed me data. Yeah, we have now of closure. The video games truly have given birth to the to it. The virtual realities of video games has given birth to our new reality. In, right. In the real world. Yep. I yeah. It's uh, it's so cool. And you can imagine like if this change has happened so far in your lifetime what next yeah oh so cool anyway um so something big kind of happened in the uh industry recently uh there was a certain passing of a certain uh member of nintendo and I, you know i'm gonna let you tr- attempt to pronounce his name because <laughs> iwata satoru yeah <laughs> we, we actually took a break here a moment and looked yeah. up how to pronounce yeah. it i've only over we've you know read it, it. Don't, yeah you read it and yeah. but, uh, no disrespect intended, but uh, Iwata. Iwata Satoru. Because it's what it's it's the, the last, last name part. First, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, kind of uh, kind of catches you there. But uh, yeah, that was uh, big news. And you know, I don't really, you know, it's as funny as it is that we even have this podcast. I don't really follow industry news all that much. I don't know if, if he was ill or mm-hmm. anything like that. So it was sort of just one of those random things. I looked on Twitter and there was all these pictures of Nintendo and I'm like, oh, they announced a new game or something. Mm-hmm. And then I looked into it and I was like, oh, that's quite a big deal. Right. I mean, Nintendo as a brand has been so consistent and uh, forward thinking for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And a large part of that had to do with his personal uh, vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was an engineer. He wasn't, um, he wasn't, uh, he, he was, was a, a toy maker. Su- yeah. Yeah. That's what he considered himself, yeah. right? I remember yeah. the interview where it was like, well, we don't make video games, mm-hmm. we make toys, mm-hmm. you know, and Nintendo is a knit toy right. Part, Yeah, part of his, um, I I don't think he coined the term, but the blue ocean strategy, mm-hmm. which is rather than competing in a uh, existing marketplace, why don't we create a brand new blue clear ocean for ourselves mm-hmm. to own? And so like, why would you compete in the existing first-person shooter genre? Why would you right. ex- compete in the saturated console business? I'm going to create a brand new toy that right. no one's seen before. Which really explains why their platforms have been unusual, mm-hmm. you know, to say the least, right? Um, you know, Wii U with the motion control, or the Wii with the motion mm-hmm. controls, the Wii U with the, the unorthodox controllers, which I'm not super sold on, but it seems like it could potentially yeah. be pretty neat. But, uh, you know, you, you can't really be uh, a professional in this industry without owing some of that, you know, to Nintendo and the things that they've done and, and accomplished over the years. For good or bad, you know, whether you, however you feel about the genres or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo, this was before Mr. Iwata's uh, tenure as CEO. Mm. They rescued the console video game business in much of the world, mm-hmm. especially in the United States, because of the crash of, 
of Atari. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a few years later that Nintendo came out. And they, uh, they, they instituted the video games aren't a family device. They're a toy for children. Mm-hmm. And we guarantee the quality and the wholesomeness of the software that kids can engage in. And that's what, boom, made them uh, successful. And then mm-hmm. Sega was able to come in online. Because families were, yeah. were comfortable with yeah. it then, yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, in that, I guess that that stigma, that policy, that view, um, much to their benefit and kind of to their detriment at the same time, you know, has lasted. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, you know, when you have all these uh, companies that make um, – uh, what do I want to say? They they make concessions. They give mm-hmm. in. They they deviate for the for profitability for for this for that for the next. It's it's it kind of refreshing to see a company that says, "All right, we're making more or less toys for kids." Mm-hmm. Right? There are a few more mature Nintendo titles. You know, everyone's like, "Well, what about that game?" And yeah, okay. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, their their IPs follow very much what you expect for IPs built for kids. The characters are immortal. You know, they, Mario's been the same forever, right? They, uh, uh, rather simple, uh, as far as construct mechanism and story to an extent, uh, but at the same time, simple mechanics that make for very fun and rich experiences. And so they're not really going for shock mm-hmm. value and, and gore and violence and stuff, which are easy sellers in older crowds. You know, they're kind of going for a, a longer strategy with the more simplistic game genres and, uh, it's paid off to an extent, you know, but also kind of has that negative connotation as well. Um, but it is interesting to see that, that that sort of theme that you just hit upon is, is lasted this mm-hmm. entire time. And I'm curious, will it continue? Mm-hmm. You know, I think culturally the company uh, of being um, from Asia and Japanese in particular, there's a team concept and philosophy. I'm sure they the deep executive bench mm-hmm. are willing to execute on. And they've already started to diversify their vision. Uh, I think in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about uh, Nintendo's move into mobile mm-hmm. and their willingness to release some of their IP and their characters mm-hmm. to other licensees. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it's going to change, but I think the overall uh, tone I mean, of the company was going to change anyway. Yeah. 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 It's, it's still going to stay true to that uh, young at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, we make, we are, we're toy makers. We're like the elves at the North Pole. <laughs> sure. Having the games industry, um, mm-hmm. we're here to enchant and charm and, uh, and have you fall in love with the characters and worlds that we create mm-hmm. for a lifetime. I think they will never age. And unlike us in the real world, uh, these are places of fantasy that will never die. And so I think that's yeah. a bittersweet, um, truth that, uh, that they've created for all of us to enjoy. And I think that's why the passing of Mr. Iwata has struck such a tone mm-hmm. in the industry. I'm sure any executive passing in any other company would have been mentioned, but I mean, when, but, with him, but it's not quite. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. and to be fair, I mean, he was, uh, he, he was uh, at Nintendo for how long? Would you say? Well, I think he joined uh, Nintendo proper in like 2000, but I think he was part of like their uh, R and D groups. I think they had a Hell Laboratories mm-hmm. studio. We yeah, should. I knew we have to find this. Being, yeah, like yeah. this is not like I didn't do research in advance. This is just my memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked for Nintendo uh, as part of a satellite mm-hmm. uh, development software development group prior to joining officially. You know that executive mm-hmm. branch that would manage mm-hmm. the strategy of the company for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think around two thousands when he really started pulling some weight, taking it back. Yeah. So I mean, really, so a fifteen-year tenure. Yeah. Um, is a really long time considering yeah. like if you look at even who's been in charge of say Xbox or who's been in charge of say PlayStation, right. you know, they kind of, I don't want to say come and go. I mean, they, they last, but at the same time it was like, they don't really last that, that long. Well, they'll know? go from Sega to Xbox mm-hmm. to EA to a, to a mobile platform. Mm-hmm. You, you know? almost said unity, didn't you? Yeah. yeah Cause you yeah, said yeah, EA. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that's literally what we've seen the exact. You know, well, do that that's the industry. The yeah, industry is right. all about you know every two a years year cycle. Yeah, right. exactly. Like oh, you're, you stay there four years. Right. Why? What's wrong with you? Why would you stay somewhere four yeah. years? You know. Yeah. Um, and so uh, yeah, it's, it's it's you know interesting to see uh, someone actually maintain a tenure mm-hmm. uh, because that that's really the the strongest way to affect any real cultural permanency is to stick around and make sure it mm-hmm. stays that way. You know, and uh, um, and it's it's rather unusual. This type of 
very tumultuous industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely something uh, interesting to see. I don't, I don't really have too much more to say. I don't really know yeah. too much about him, but uh, you know, it, it felt worth mentioning at least uh, um, some uh, relative respect there because uh, um, Nintendo longevity has has been kind of like the cornerstone. You know, you get your 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 Lucas Arts and your, your your companies like that 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 that, that are strong and, and and pillars and then fade and crumble and stuff like that. Right. And Nintendo go, has been strong since. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, since yeah. Uh, 1983. Yeah. Nintendo is the only platform holder that if they wanted to open up a theme park in Orlando and be massively successful, they could do it. You cannot... Why don't they? That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, why don't they? I don't know. They should, but... Uh, uh... I would, I would, I'd pay <laughs> at least 10 rupees to shoot an arrow at some Dodongos, you know? I mean... Right. <laughs> but with add them to VR, maybe we won't need it anymore because we'll just be able to go into those virtual realities. You could yeah. you could order some ale, and Donkey Kong would roll it to you yeah, on a, in a barrel, and you could right. pull it out and drink. Yeah. Oh man, Nintendo! If you're listening, I know you are, of course. Uh, yeah, Nintendo theme park. Uh, there's probably one somewhere, right? I have to imagine. There's got to be something in Japan, right? There's got to be something. Yeah. If not, they have a 40 foot Gundam. They have got to have <laughs> yeah. a Nintendo theme park. Somewhere, if not, this has to happen. It's like uh, I would, I would go to that. If anybody knows that there is a place where you can see like a Pokemon giant, petting zoo, yeah, 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 a Pokemon <laughs> petting zoo, or a forest of giant green pipes with bouncy mushrooms that we can, you know, that's jump a different on. experience, yeah, right? There. Yeah, <laughs> take the mushrooms and jump around. Another theme park idea: yeah. mushrooms and bouncy pits. Yeah, right, dude, adults would be all over that right, once they legalize marijuana. <laughs> Around the entire country, that yeah, going to Disney World has a whole new meaning. Have some psychotropics, dress as a plumber, <laughs> just jump around. Oh, good stuff. Uh, okay, so moving on. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so yeah, so let's see how we're doing on time. Oh, we're doing good. So this is something I had wanted to um, put into an episode, and I kept forgetting about it. I was uh, um, recently, I guess not so recently now, a couple months ago, maybe a month and a half, whatever. Uh, I was in uh, San Francisco in a like an indie incubator, right? Um, not really an, just an open office space, like a hack space, whatever. Um, and someone there was showing off a cinematic that they had just made. They're like, "Check this out! I'm working on this. Um, it's for this game I've been working on. What do you guys think?" And and uh, so we showed it off, and it was it was a cool cinematic. And uh, and someone else there was immediately like, "Oh, I I hate cinematics. I think they're a, a, a bad idea. Never take control away from the player." And what was interesting is, is well, I was I was super tired. I was basically napping at that point, so I didn't really kind of get into it just then and there. But but the room kind of split, mm-hmm. and you know half the room was like cinematics good, and the other half was like cinematics bad. These aren't movies; they're they're video games. You have to have an interaction. And so I thought, okay, that's an interesting topic, and probably something worth mentioning or at least talking about is this whole concept of. Do you take control away from the player? Do you do you have cinematics? Do they add real value, or is it lazy storytelling? And that's the way I've heard mm-hmm. it saying mm-hmm. is like you you don't really know how to get the player to uh, engage the narrative, so you just take control away mm-hmm. from them and you just throw it in their face. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was curious what your thoughts on that might be. You know, I have a, a varied relationship with uh, cutscenes slash cinematics, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. I remember my earliest experiences with video games. The first time I saw a cutscene, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, when I was expecting the next level of Ms. Pac-Man to simply, or was it Pac-Man, to just load up. And instead I saw a cutscene where he was running across the screen. And then I realized after a couple more mazes, you got to see a different chapter in the story unfold. Mm-hmm. And then eventually Miss um, Pac-Man and Pac-Man fall the screen and as, as a kid i was like that's so cool yeah there's more to this than just um the act of getting the, the character around the right. screen it's more than just the mechanic yeah, they actually they actually have emotion they have you know mm-hmm. and it engaged me you know mm-hmm. and did i actually believe that pac-man was alive in the machine no but did i expect to be touched on, on an emotional level other than the thrill of playing no i didn't expect it so when i saw it it blew mm-hmm. my mind i was so like, just making you hungry anyway. yeah yeah it was like really cool <laughs> um and then uh you know fast forward 10 years and i'm playing games like uh, warcraft or starcraft for mm-hmm. the first time and specifically blizzard did these 
outrageous, over-the-top. You could never, <laughs> ever imagine mm-hmm. that a video game team, where, you know, the games were basically these limited animation sprites, mm-hmm. uh, and now you see them realized in a 3D with lighting effects. And It, it made really you feel kind of, bad when you went back to the actual game, because you're like, why can't it just look like yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, maybe to an extent. But for me, it really set me up for like, oh, when I go back to that abstracted world, this is the richness I can imagine. Right. Now, when going back, and if you look up those cinematics on YouTube, oh, you're yeah, like, they look terrible. like a joke. Yeah. But back then, for what the technology was allowed, you know, what we were able to mm-hmm. realistically expect a game to look like, it was amazing and amazing and really yeah. pulled you in. But um, as games became more first-person oriented, more mm-hmm. action oriented, I find myself resenting the cinematics. Mm-hmm. Especially, there was a... Um, uh, a stint, a, a short stint in the 90s where they would do full motion video, horrible acting in front of a green screen. Need for Speed, uh, oh, Need for Speed 3, I think, did that, where like you got arrested and it played a video of a cop, like yeah. coming up and arresting yeah. you. And you were like, whoa! Yeah. I thought that was really neat. You know, for me, it was the Command and Conquer series or the oh, Jedi Knight series. Yeah. They did those and they, they, they didn't look like a Star Wars movie. They looked like a cheesy. Or even video. when they do the, re- the recordings and put them. That's actually the game art. Like, I remember Phantasmagoria was like a full yeah, on, like, yeah. real people in these Yeah, they would, like, they advertised those as, like, CD ROM games yeah. where they would, they, they would stream video from the CD ROM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrible era in gaming, I thought. <laughs> Did not like it. Because, yes, they were cutting back the level of interactivity mm-hmm. and they were starting to show you, um, a dramatic or action sequence that was less well realized in my imagination, mm-hmm. especially that full motion sure. video ones. Um, so that's when I started to like, eh, I'm not a fan of the cinematics. There are other areas where I think cinematics are a problem is if you uh, are showing action that otherwise the player could have mm-hmm. partaken or get controlled. Sure. That for me feels like that's a, that's like a fault. That's when a your player is like walking towards the edge of something and you know that something bad's going to happen you're just like don't go that yeah. why would you do right, that and, right. and the control's taken out of you like I I wouldn't have my player do right. this why is it making me do right. this thing that I don't envision this character doing um, so, so yeah that's a fault of the design of the cinematic sure. not necessarily are cinematics bad it's like well when a cinematic does something that is um, otherwise actionable but actionable by the player but then you disallow them by taking control away mm-hmm. i think that's where that argument you shouldn't take control away mm-hmm. uh, is bad but if in another case you cut away to say an overhead map and there's some context being given to you mm-hmm. to kind of get you boosted up and it's a character that you don't directly control i have less problem with that kind of mm-hmm. uh, data information being sent to you it's better that the information comes to me clearly outside of gameplay mm-hmm. than in the middle of, a, say, a firefight. Sure. Now that's a, a lesson that Hal Barwood, uh, of, formerly of LucasArts, used to tell all the designers. Mm-hmm. Um, like, never, ever, ever try to give instruction about what the goal, what the objective of the game is, or of the chapter or of the level, mm-hmm. during action. Because the player is focused on their own action. Here kind of, you they, break their vibe, right? Yeah. And they'll just miss it. Yeah. Like, uh, we t- discussed... Titanfall. They do you, do have that? you played Titanfall? No, I haven't. So Titanfall has... A, so, preface uh-huh. by saying that I actually loved Titanfall. I played a hell of a lot of Titanfall. But here's my gripe, right? There's a story to Titanfall. I don't know what it is. No one knows what it is. Because the story is given to you over comms while you're fighting your opponent. Okay, yeah. So that's you, a violation like, So they're talking role. to you, but you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. They're like... So my wife, she's, she'll watch me play sometimes, and she'll be like, so what's going on in this? Like, what's the guy talking about? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I've only played this level like 700 times. Mm-hmm. I've never once listened to a single word any of them said. And it's like, at that point, I'm just playing the game for the, for the game, mm-hmm. right? And there's this story, and you're right. You don't you don't put it in with the action because no one listens. No one pays attention to it uh, because you're busy, right? Yeah. Not now. Not now, game, right? Like, and then by the time you get to the end of the level, there's this ending, like, not really cinematic, but they're, it's where, like, the, the level's finishing up, and yeah. you're about to boot in the next level, and so they're giving you some storyline a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's all about what everything just was, ta- everyone was talking about just a minute ago, and so you're just like, or you're telling me stuff now, I have no idea what that means, because I wasn't listening right. earlier, so you're, all this crap in context is, I don't, I don't get any of it. Um, so yeah, it's a perfect example of, of what you're talking about, like, totally just 
you put it in with the action and everyone just ignores it. Right. So there's a case where maybe a cinematic would have been more effective mm-hmm. in if the story indeed has an impact on the content that it you doesn't. Play. It's this, it's this preference. Uh, it's this basically basic framework to explain why you're there shooting these other people. Okay, so th- I don't want to divert us from the story of cinematics versus uh, no cinematics, mm-hmm. but now we're talking about a story, uh, a problem of is story even relevant yeah. in a game? Right. Uh, therefore, if story is not relevant, then yes, definitely cinematics are a complete waste of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, that reminds me of my recent trip to uh, Orlando, which mm-hmm. is why it came up in our conversation earlier, uh, where I went to these theme parks after not having experienced them for a while. And I realized, oh, wow, these were the first person games before they were first person games where mm-hmm. you are in an environment that's so outrageous and imaginative. You're in it. You're in it and you feel like it's real, uh, even though it's all made up. And Universal Parks has mm-hmm. a different way of expressing that uh, philosophy than, say, Disney. It's but interesting they all that you would compare that to a first-person game because you're right. I never really even thought about that. It was like mm-hmm. they're giving you the same experience, just in a kind of a different way. Um, it's you're just a, it's a first-person game, really. Yeah, you know? it's interesting. I, don't know, I never really considered that. Well, Imagineering, which is a Disney's specific uh, mm-hmm. branch of engineers and architects who work together to mm-hmm. um, to create those theme park experiences for their, like they call them guests. Yeah, you know? sure. Mm-hmm. We, for games, we call them the audience or players. I think players, players is a better word, right? Because they're not that's passive. Why we use term yeah, players. Yeah. Players. Um, they uh, they talk about the use of the weenie to pull you mm-hmm. through that's the right. theme park. Yeah, which uh, which originated with with Walt Disney, right? Because right. they had dogs on set and they used hot dogs to get the right. dogs. Yeah, to there's go many versions of the story. Yeah, yeah. The one I had heard was that Walt Disney would come home. And to get his dog to obey, he'd just go to the fridge and grab a, uh, you know, a, a sausage dog, or a yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, no matter where he went, the dog would follow. And his problem was, I need theme park goers to enter and go very far into the park and then disperse. And that's the castle, right? Yeah. In the middle of it. Right. You can't have them everything. clogging up the entrance. Right. You need to get them in and through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he used this idea of the weenie. And first person shooters or anything. Any journey game. has the, the the biggest weenie yeah. <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, with the giant pillar of light, you yeah. start. Where am I going? I bet you I'm going right there. there. Right. Yeah. And once you get there, off on the horizon are other destinations, all visible over the horizon. You walk into a room. There's a yeah. giant red flashing yeah. button. Right. What are you supposed to do? Let yeah. me guess. Yeah. So yeah. you go to that red button, and from the red button's point of view, you can see another mm-hmm. network. So mm-hmm. you you continually pull players through. They always feel like they're in charge. Well, I made a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. Or I was just naturally drawn to that attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest tell that this is in effect is at 10 p.m. at these theme parks, the best lit area of the park is the exit. The exit. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, like Main Street. Main Street gets lit up like with well, thousands and thousands of All of the events of happen right there, there right, at the at, exit. At the castle and then boom. Then, right down the street. And then the, the castle parade. dims yeah. and then Main Street lights up. You think, oh man, I'm tired. What a great day. You don't even have to say to the rest of your group, let's go home. You're they're just all, starting to walk. They're all feeling the same yeah, thing. You're just all walking towards the exit. All the mind control drugs you've been consuming <laughs> right, in the food right. and water all day yeah, is finally tapping yeah. in. <laughs> and for games, we do the same thing, right? With You follow the mass of people. Well, you mm-hmm. follow the mass of NPCs right. to the next room. Yep. And the, guess what? There's also a physical landmark in the environment. So yeah, theme park and a 3D game are are essentially designed in the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. Except for instead of having, you don't generally have people coming out of monster closets and, and shooting at you. <laughs> uh, instead, you have uh, cast members coming Another out. Another theme park idea. Yeah. <laughs> right. Monsters, Just, you shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> Wild animals with trank darts, probably safer. <laughs> but, uh, so if I had to reduce you to a, a, a binary, uh-huh. um, an absolute, if you will, cinematics, yes or no? Cinematics as a crutch. No, no, no. I'm, I'm reducing okay. you completely. Okay. I just want to, I just want to be okay. difficult. Okay. If I had to, I don't believe that it's a black and white world when it comes, it depends on well, only the SIF deal in absolutes, but I still <laughs> want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, if I were to design my ideal game, I would be able to express the story and the narrative and the context through the game, game, game. It's not in a, I'm going to break you away from the game itself to have mm-hmm. this other set of data stream and play for you. Mm-hmm. And then stream that out and bring you back to the interactive. So Fair enough. Yeah. I try to do it as much as possible. So I would be a. I don't. Let's let's not do cinematics. Not to mention they're just expensive. That's another. Sure. It's yeah. a whole other set of staff to mm-hmm. hire to do because it's a craft in and of itself. Right. You don't just get um, great cinematics from saying, "Hey, animator, 
go do this thing. And now they're thinking about camera angles and shots and cuts mm -hmm. and dialogue when maybe they were previously just thinking about move sets for characters. Sure. Um, Fair so enough. yeah, I think it's from two perspectives one from the production perspective and another from the, from the experience perspective. I'm very much pro cinematic. Okay. I think is that I think they're awesome. Right. Um, there is something to be said for cinematics done poorly. And there's something else to be said for cinematics that show you doing these really awesome things. And then you go back to the game and you're like, why can't I do those mm. things? You know, um, which happens a lot really. But, uh, one of the, 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 the strongest memory, early memory, gaming memories of cinematics. I say early, not in that I was a kid. I was a teenager somewhere in there. I don't quite remember. But um, you play Final Fantasy VII, right? Final Fantasy VII had those just like mind-blowing cinematics for the time, right? The the, the CG and that just like, just <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, it was a video game that had commercials for it. And I couldn't ever remember a time when video games had like mainstream TV commercials, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so it was just like amazing. You played it and uh, it blew your mind. And everyone knows that the Final Fantasy VII, very all the Final Fantasies, that whole JRPG uh, styling is very heavy cinematic. But then I played, um, um, oh, not Panzer, maybe it was Panzer Dragoon, um, something Dragoon. It was uh, basically another JRPG, but you could like summon this. Each character could summon their own like version of the dragon, uh -huh. uh, very Power Rangers like, yeah. and then you like supercharge or whatever. But I was playing this game, and, um, oh, that's going to bug me. I think it's Panzer Dragoon Saga or something like that, because Panzer Dragoon Ordo is the one you flow around. Um, but anyway, so I'm playing the game, and a cinematic happens, and the character talks, and it's real words, uh -huh. right? It wasn't just like, text, like text appears, yeah. um, it talked in, in real voice came out. And I immediately picked up the phone, and I called my friend John. Uh -huh. And that's my, that's my name drop for uh -huh. this uh, for this episode, John. Uh, so my friend John from childhood and uh, and I'm like dude they talk uh -huh. and he's playing the game too he's like I know they talk uh -huh. and we're just like boom uh -huh. their heads exploded right and ever since then I've just been like cinematics are awesome I'm uh -huh. so about cinematic like just show me cool uh -huh. stuff I don't care I'm just because you're right, you go, you come back to the game, and you're just like super jazzed, yeah. right? You're like, hell yeah, I'm a badass. Right. Like I didn't have to do anything but watch, but right. I, I feel juiced up for it. Um, so I'm very pro cinematic, but um. But as you kind of alluded to, there are a lot of things you, you can't do. The, the worst, the, the absolute worst is when you can't skip them. Uh, right? Uh -huh. And, uh, or when you can't, uh, pause them. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, my wife has an amazing knack <laughs> for sitting there watching me play a game silently for hours. Yeah. And the moment a crucial yeah. storyline point happens and someone's talking, she wants to talk to me like, and it, it's amazing. I joke with her all the time. I, I, it's because your sticks have stopped moving, right? That's something. Yeah. You're, you're she must not, be like, you must not be good. playing right now. Uh, maybe, and maybe that's subconsciously what it is. I don't know, but I tease her all the time about it. But, uh, but most games you can just hit the pause button. Uh -huh. Cool. Whatever. And then unpause, you come back yeah. to the cinematic. Um, so, I mean, being able to skip the cinematic, super important. Being able to pause the cinematic, super important. Being able to save in the middle of them, also kind of important. Um, I remember um, uh, Xenogears or Xenogears. Yeah. Uh, I always say Xeno just because everyone's like, well, the word is actually Xeno. And I say, <laughs> it's a whole made-up universe. It can be pronounced however I want to pronounce it. So I say Xenogears, but uh, probably Xenogears. Um, had like forty a 45-minute long like cinematic. Like literally just text because you couldn't skip the text. You couldn't speed yeah. it up. So you literally watched the text pan across the screen. And you read it and then you hit next. You know, yeah, And it was right. like 45 minutes. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those three disc games back when games came on multi disc. And uh, forty five minutes later, screen goes black. And says, "Would you like to save your game?" And you're like, "Thank God!" Yeah. Right? Because the worst thing that ever yeah. happened was your your PlayStation froze and you had yeah. to start the cinematic again, probably because you hadn't been able to pause it or save it for because mm -hmm. there was probably a boss battle even before that. So you probably haven't saved it in like an hour and a half. So you save it. Uh, this was between disc two and three. So you save it. And then says, now load the next disc. Like, cool. You load the next disc in and it starts another cinematic, for another 30 minutes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Again, with yeah, no yeah, saving. Yeah, yeah. And then when that cinematic is over, you're it back in the world and you're playing again, but then you have to find a save point right. or else you have to do that whole yeah. thing again. And it's not like you can just abandon it. You have to be there right. hitting the next button. Yeah. So you definitely want to avoid situations yeah. like that. Um, I went back and played Xenogears, Xenogears, whatever, uh, an emulator and specifically sped the, the, the gate, you hit the button so you could speed mm -hmm. the gameplay up like 8,000% yeah. or whatever just to get through the text. And even then, it still took forever yeah. because you had to still keep hitting right. next, next, next. Um, so yeah, you know, 
definitely avoid that. Uninterruptible, unsavable, uh, you know, uh, unstoppable cinematics. Just uh. yeah, I've been on several projects where that was a problem, and there's a reason sometimes technically why you can't do it because the cinematic system was designed to say when this animation reaches um, the final frame, do mm. this. Well, if you skip the cinematic, it never gets, it gets to the, the final, final frame, frame. Yeah. and so you oh, crap. Or it's streaming background data. It's getting mm-hmm. ready for the. So like, well, I could skip it, but then you just see a black screen, and you just be waiting I'd forever. See a black screen because the black yeah. screen you could walk away from and go right. back later and right. be there but instead of having to just hit, right. hit the button the whole time. But no, and it probably takes time to load that data yeah. to localize text and stuff like that. So I mean, I get that, but man, that's rough. But uh, yeah, I uh, one of the more recent cinematics that I've really enjoyed was uh, Halo 4. Um, specifically because you're watching at the beginning of the game, they talk about the Spartans, mm-hmm. and they show you, Master, as Metro Chief and a couple of the other Spartans, just messing people <laughs> up, right? It's like like uh, one of the Spartans does, like, just does this flying knee to an elite's face and like kills him, and another guy yeah. smashes him. And I'm gonna, you're like, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome, and stuff like that. And and it was cool because it gets you like really juiced up to play. And then you're just like, I wish I could do that stuff yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. in the game, but... Uh, but uh, I'm very pro cinematic. But again, not being completely absolute, uh, black and white binary. You know, there are caveats to that because you can certainly do it wrong. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I like to reduce everything down to a yes or no. Mm-hmm. Helps you win arguments yeah. if you're not allowed to say. <laughs> yeah. But what about? <laughs> but it is a very polarizing topic, and I really don't mind having control taken away as a player as long as I can get it back when I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially if it's something you have to do again and again and again. Like, um, and, you know, so Destiny, right? You play the same content a lot of times. Um, and before that, there's always, not really cinematic, but there's like storyline being read mm-hmm. to you. And I get that that's there because that's their loading screen, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can't s- skip that right. really. Yeah. But still, it gets kind of tedious, yeah. right? Hearing the same stuff over. Right. I can like basically repeat off of memory right. pretty much every. Right. You'd rather thing. have a. a- it's coming soon menu that has no audio or very limited audio just to yeah. cuz i it, i don't want to hear that irritating line it would almost line be cool if it again. just gave me a, a a countdown yeah like on average of the last 100 times you've played this uh-huh. level it's taken you 45 seconds yeah. to get in so here's yeah. a countdown timer for 45 mm-hmm. seconds and i get that that breaks immersion so no one will ever actually mm-hmm. do that <laughs> but at the same time like when you're not really in it for the immersion you're <laughs> in it for the, the playing the game right. you know you kind of just want that speed up yeah. a bit so yeah but anyway i like to break everything down into an absolute argument. (laughs) So cinematics, we'll give it uh, two thumbs sideways. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if there's any other cinematics that kind of stand out in your mind. Mine is strong as Ms. Pac-Man. You know, one other one that I really enjoyed out of all of the Halo series that I was involved in, Mm -hmm. uh, the one that I enjoyed the most uh, was the one, um, I want to say it was the level... We, you just left the swamp and you're about to head into the facility. I think it may have been into the library. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, if you're talking about the first game, that was the swamp to the yeah. library. Yeah. Um, when the chief comes across a recording from a, a Marine's helmet. And hmm. so that's a cinematic where you don't feel like you took control away from me. Cause you're watching, yeah. You're watching a video. You're discovering feed. along you're, with r- everyone. Right, else. right. You were yeah. watching a video feed and then, and then, Right, ironically, that's the first time you see the flood. Right, ironically, yeah. the chief is able to fast forward the boring part. Oh, I don't want to see this. And you see this, the cinematic go through the video stream of the soldiers until it gets to an interesting point and then he resumes play. Do you do you encounter the flood in the swamp at all? I Because th- I, th- I remember that. Like, you're in the swamp. I think when you exit and you're, you're, back in the in, you're, back, you're out in the swamp for a little bit. Well, when you first go into out. the library, right, you're in the swamp, you find the uh-huh. helmet, and you're like, what is that? You, you right. see these guys just sort of abstractly uh-huh. get killed because you don't uh-huh. ever see what actually uh-huh. does the killing, right? And then don't you like fight like one or two and you're like, what was that? And then you go into the library and that's when... It's, um, before you're in that. the library proper, you're in um with this forerunner interior that's uh, shaped like an A. I remember the slanting mm-hmm. roofs that Chris Lee had built. And uh, you're in an arch... Oh, you know what? You open a door and the soldier falls out. Right. And then you're like holding him. So... And then, and immediately after immediately after watching the video and sanitizing your hand, that's when you hear the skittering, and that's yeah, when the flood infection that's form right. come out. Little muffin men come. So right yeah, out. so that was an example of like I didn't take, I, I took control away, but that's because the the character gave up control. He said, 
I don't want to see what my eyes see. I want to see what the soldier saw. Mm-hmm. And so then I felt really like, okay, this makes sense to me. I want to see this mm-hmm. very strange mystery. And then I'm watching this video playback. Same as the character. What the character is witnessing is what I'm witnessing. And mm-hmm. that f- feels cool. Yeah. Um, and then it really ramps you up for like this really tense, like, whoa, what is going on? And then boom, you're in the action. So it felt like it was a really great setup. Okay. So for yeah, yeah. me, that's an example of a, of a really well done well cinematic done. Um, from a project that I happened, had the pleasure to be involved in. Um, I like, I, I also like the cinematics that, what do I want to say? Rally communities to a fervent level. Uh, and okay. So the, the most prime example I can think of that are just off the top of my head, World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Obviously a very impactful game. At one point, still probably today, has more subscribed registered users than the populations of some countries. I remember watching the Olympics, I think like 2008, and as they were announcing the populations of some of the uh-huh. countries, I'm like, there's more people playing World of Warcraft, there's more people playing World of Warcraft, right? And uh, that was back when I was like super into it myself. But every time a cinematic would come out, either before an expansion or an event or whatever, and you had, I always played Alliance, I don't know why, because I always wanted... I like really like the horde better, <laughs> but I always play the alliance. It's because I already had a high level character in the alliance. You can't uh, just give that up. Later, uh, you could switch. You pay for uh, it, and I did. But um, you know, alliance come out and we're noble, but not uh, really because uh, we do bad things. But we're still trying to do the right thing. And you're like, all right, I can get with that, right? Uh, They're just trying to do what's right. And then the horde comes out like for the horde with axes, and they just start cleaving yeah. people. And you're like, Fuck yeah, you know. And yeah. it's like, but cinematics like that afterwards. I mean. So many people, you hear people just say for the whore, you know, like in conversation, Uh, like, or you, you'll be, uh, you'll be somewhere and you'll see someone with a, uh, a horde or an alliance, uh, uh, shirt on. And I don't really remember if the alliance had taglines and I played as the alliance, Uh but no tagline was ever as strong as either for the horde or you'd see someone with a horde shirt and you'd say blood and thunder, (laughs) blood and thunder, right? I don't, you know, the alliance didn't have stuff like that, but those cinematics made you feel so they took the, the, the control away from you and they yeah. showed you actions you never got to do in the game, right? And so by maybe by definition, they were bad because you lost control and the, you got some of the story, but it could have been told you more directly and whatever. But those cinematics made you feel good about your choice mm-hmm. to join this game. Like, yeah. it made you feel like you made the right choice joining the Alliance or joining the Horde. You watched that and you thought, okay. I've invested my life in something valuable, even though you haven't. It's a video game soaking up all your time. But um, you watch that and you think, all right, I could have been that other team. Screw that other team. I made the right choice. My team's awesome, right? Cinematics like that, to me, uh, are a lot of fun because they live beyond themselves because there's something that they're like the theming of the game, which you always come back to when you think about the the Wolf Riders or you think about, like, you know, uh, the King of Stormwind on the Steed, you know, and you think, Oh yeah, right. yeah, this is gonna be awesome. Well, what you, what you're describing to me feels like a uh, flavor or um, tone or context, culture. Yeah, yeah culture. So in that case, the cinematic is working effectively to express those things, but not necessarily narrative, character mm-hmm. development. I mean, there are narrative and character yeah. development, not your character. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. like this is what's happening in the world, mm-hmm. and then you think, okay, cool. right. And so it works there because it's not about your character; it's mm-hmm. about characters in the world mm-hmm. being able to say do th- do those things. And World of Warcraft isn't necessarily a combat action game. It, I mean, sure, there's combat, but it's like, I think you just click a button, right? You target. And you well, if you're lame, you click. <laughs> you don't actually click. <laughs> no, I'm right, joking. Okay. Most, any real World of Warcraft player has these really complex custom key bindings that only they understand. <laughs> Specialized hardware. <laughs> you know, yeah, trust me, it goes way deeper than that. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, in that case, the cinematic isn't showing you something like, oh, I got an inferior. It's like, well, that's something that's just outside of the world of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the character is outside of what I control. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind this. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like, that's my character to doing something. To an extent, it's almost like a click to move yeah. game because you can yeah. play by clicking to move. Yeah. And, uh, I don't like click to move no. games specifically because I like to feel that I am the player mm-hmm. and not that I'm just telling the player or the character what to do. I want to feel like I am the mm-hmm. character. Luckily, with World of Warcraft, you could actually control the character, WASD controls, and actually just be in the game that way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying, right? You, you, in World of Warcraft, the game itself isn't about any character, anyone's character. Mm-hmm. It's all about, like, here's this giant world. Here are the things happening in the world. By the way, you're in it. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. It's like, <laughs> yeah. so you just get, you, you, what, what happens with World of Warcraft in my mind is you get to feel good 
being the the le- least coolest kid mm-hmm. in the cool group. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like yes. you're like you get to stand there at the very end right. and look down the line and be like, I'm friends with the king of yeah. Storwin, or I'm right, friend, right, you know, right. like I'm friend with this guy. I'm yeah. who are you? I'm really no one. Any one yeah. of them could beat me at any given time, yeah. but I get to stand up here. So yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. I got yeah. that going for me, yeah. right? And I think that's kind of the feel. World of Warcraft works so hard to make. Not a lot of MMO mm-hmm. stuff. Works so hard to make the NPC seem so freaking cool uh-huh. that you just want to be like that. Right, I just want to be right. like you when I right. grow up. Yeah. yeah, and you never do because every time you hit max level, the level the game progresses and the, the max level people get even higher. Right. Yeah, but uh, but still, now I'm like fondly remembering World of Warcraft. <laughs> I gotta be careful. I'll fall off that horse. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't afford to play that game anymore. <laughs> uh, I spent a lot of time. Sounds like that's your StarCraft for me. Like, I'm not allowing myself to pre-order Legacy of the Void because I, I just can't. I didn't I, even know that a new one coming out. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, oh. it's available for pre-order, and if you pre-order, you get, like, access to this early See, that used DLC. to be my jam. Yeah, but, man, but like, when now they, I can't do when it. When the, the, the meta of, of, of real-time strategy games changed uh-huh. from you playing with your friends to you playing with strangers, and the strangers have just nothing better to do besides spend day and night working as hard as they can to just destroy you when mm-hmm. it comes time to plan yeah. i just don't do it anymore because yeah. it's like three clicks in well you missed a click you're dead. <laughs> and it's just like i don't like that game but i see what you're saying yeah. i used to be all about that yeah. when it was just like me and my friends uh-huh. you know but no in this new world order of online <laughs> video games i just can't hang <laughs> i'm too casual <laughs> their leagues are supposed to respond to that but yeah it gets addicted to this because you start to try to climb up your particular league you start studying yeah notes. yeah so like i got as high recently um as platinum uh which is you know a little it's sort of like getting a b minus mm-hmm. like i'm a b minus starcraft student I got the uh, ones. but you know um you meet some people who are really rude online oh yeah and then they accuse you of cheating because you won the match and you shouldn't have won and there and might be some rude fun... you when you're losing. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm losing. Yeah, Just let me right. let me lose. All but right? what I have found is like if you engage them politely They'll often back down from the rhetoric and say, like, you know what? I'm just pissed because I lost the match and I didn't. And I really, I, what do you say? I've always said. That I'll, you I'll, are. Say, I'll, I'll, I'll say, like, you know, you know, honest to God, I'm not cheating, but I'd like to know what you thought I was doing to cheat. <laughs> That's magical. I always say that you, like, my personality tends to just make people angry, right? <laughs> right. Like, I'm a very polarizing uh-huh. person. You either just absolutely love me or absolutely uh-huh. hate me, but you have this innate uh-huh. ability to just make everyone calm. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you work in the games industry and a team environment you learn that's the number one way you can contribute to the quality and success of the project is to just be level-headed that is magic i'm gonna turn what you just said into my ringtone (laughs) because (laughs) but just to hear you say that you've got someone on the internet to calm down and back away from that argument yeah i I had a very meaningful exchange with someone not like but it was one of my last matches before quinn made me quit because i raged at her for interrupting my match. Uh, well, that's so her it, fault, really. Yeah, she should know better. <laughs> uh, which I shouldn't have done, which was she was absolutely right uh, that I should not have been upset. But I, it was an hour-long match. I can't and I was imagine about, you raging. I, and I was so close to winning. I had this guy on the ropes, and then she distracted me. And next thing I know, my, my, all my all my air units had hovered over the wrong spot of the map. I'm like, do you realize I'm an hour into this? You could not. I said I couldn't talk right now, and that meant. Well, anyways, that story that made you're me say. Well, once right that now. happened, I was like, you know what, Quinn, you're right, and I and I quit cold turkey. Um, but anyway, imagine in my, in the having match, a reasonable conversation yeah, with someone on the internet. Yeah, because because so, I was like, no, you suck. I mean, what you find out is that anyone who trolls after a loss, I mean, they're really hurting. There's something about them that is upset. They were using the game as a means of escape. And the reason why I'm mentioning this now is because you talked about Warcraft, World of Warcraft as being, I get to be the least cool guy on the Mm -hmm. totem pole, so to speak. And I find that that's actually a, I don't know if catharsis is the right word, but it's a coping strategy for a lot of players. Yeah. And, you know, at Bungie, we use the metaphor of the mango tree. Mm. That the mango tree. Um, Everything you say is magical right now. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> the metaphor of the mango tree is is that um, you know, well, you imagine orangutan in the forest. Mm-hmm. They find a tree that provides fruit and mm-hmm. sustenance. They'll come back to it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And um, in the there's game, a, like there's that. A, if you have a need that's not being met in your life, mm-hmm. you will search out a mango tree. Yeah. And so, for World of Warcraft, for a lot of people, it's the association with greatness. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to organize a group. 
and have them meet a goal that maybe you work a in a career track right now that isn't that satisfying you have an unmet need hmm. but then you haven't met you find a way to meet that need oh, fair enough we're not here to fill in a gap in your life and become your world life's obsession it can happen mm-hmm. and that's actually i think an unfortunate event if it becomes the thing that defines your life well sure for Absolutely. us the as entertainers the hope is that this becomes a small augmentation thing. yeah yeah that like you know right now in your life you're a kid what does a kid get to do you don't get to like you know when you and i were growing up mm-hmm. um mom would give you a couple of bucks and you could go down to the corner arcade well mm-hmm. i know that i could at least yeah, yeah, yeah. or the 7-eleven on your but you and a, maybe one maybe your sister or maybe a couple other friends Boom. You were off into the world all on your own until seven. And nowadays... Until you ran out of court. Until you ran out of court. How many kids are allowed, mom and dad can say, yeah, 10-year-old kid, go out on your own mm-hmm. and just be outside. And now it's like, oh, no, you have to be chaperoned. Yeah. We have to drop you off at a certain place. I mean, they have no freedoms. Mm-hmm. So for a kid, a game like Destiny or World of Warcraft, I can see as being a great escape. My mm-hmm. friends and I, we are completely free to do whatever we want in this world. Sure. So it's like, yeah, I get it. That's okay. Yeah. For an adult, it becomes a little, uh, I don't want to say sad, but it does become a little bit more, uh, you have to be more careful about how damaging, you use, damaging, yeah. Potentially Limit, damaging. Yeah. You yeah. could be limiting yourself from, from a more, uh, from engagement in the real world. It feels like a, Building a, a conversation real, we should have on another episode. Yeah. Like, okay, we'll cut we this one real deep with that. But, but like, yeah, anyways, that's, I was just uh, playing yeah. off of, um, I am a tried and true troll. Um, yeah. it's mostly just cause I, like it sometimes yeah. I don't know like yeah. uh, but but I only like I try to be a nice person as much as possible. It's only when someone starts to mess with me that I just I can't help myself. Yeah, and I feel like uh, uh, like you brought a knife now to a nuclear weapons fight. I'm yeah. gonna destroy yeah. you. And yeah, I, now I'm yeah, I'll admit it is fun to meet someone who will talk trash throughout the match because they're cheesing and they think they've got you on the ropes. Yeah, they do some really cheesy. And thing then like just they build build towers, um, in your in your. Uh, your your initial city or something like mm-hmm. that within the first five minutes and there's like you should quit you should quit and then and they're trolling you and stuff and then you win the game and I might you know <laughs> simply play out. play back I'll just type out their first opening lines to me you know as you know I'll just play it back and I've often gotten them to laugh you know they'll be like yeah you know yeah 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 or sometimes they'll be shocked like wait are you playing the replay at the exact same time as me right now i'm like no it's because i'm seeing myself type this Mm -hmm. bullshit right as you're typing the bullshit back to me i'm like no i'm just typing from memory what you said to me and they're like haha funny funny okay well it was a good match you got me and you know they're gone Uh, Uh, but i've had like people like really open up it's like to a point where like you really need to seek care you need to have like I'm I'm here open like human to human. I'll talk to you about this issue that you're going through, why you were raging, and the things that are going on in your life. But it really sounds like you need to go and get professional help, and not, like not in the derogatory way. Yeah, yeah, way. Yeah. It's like the hey, as a human being, that's like here with to spend another ten minutes with you. You know, yeah. I'm happy to hear you out, and like I'm glad that you're able to like work through your anger. But dude, you need to. You were, this is a real thing for you. You need to go and get. You home. were literally describing a situation that has never, ever once happened to me. Really? Where I could get someone online to actually calm down. Yeah, no, I've, I haven't. Uh, calmed down. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you then you realize again. most trolls are just people who are alone. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're or just really, people like me, like yeah. just being a jerk. From yeah, time to yeah, time. and guaranteed. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> most trolls will just say you suck, and then they're out, and they don't. You know, there's nothing there. Yeah, but the ones that like ask you an open-ended question, those are the ones that are reaching out you know, yeah. for an interaction. The ones that just say, you know, you're, you're, you know, exploitive, exploitive, blah, 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 yeah. bullshit artist, whatever, you know, yeah, you just leave those guys alone. But the other ones are just, you know, making an accusation or they ask you a question. Yeah, I'll respond to those and, mm-hmm. and you'll find out often they'll just kind of back down and be like, yeah, you know, I'm just having a bad day. Our next episode is going to be the trolling and bullying episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should talk about next that. Next week on Glee. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> or, you know, there's, and there's a whole nother level of trolling, which is players trolling developers, uh, which yeah. we've had, like, had throughout my career. That's why no one knows my, know my, uh, gamer tags. They don't know my handles. Oh, I'm going to tell and, everyone. Well, no. you don't know it either. Uh, cause I've that's never... not true. I played Starcraft with you. Yes. Well, you know, the Blizzard one, mm-hmm. but you don't know. And my I'm going to extrapolate Xbox, from yeah. that with the rest of them are. <laughs> no, you can't. No, my Xbox Live one, one is, A, is not active at the moment, and two, is not, in no way related to my, uh, Blizzard one. 
<laughs> Blizzard one was one actually that was internal yeah. for when we would play I'm not their my games dad at Bungie. The CIA yeah. is a hacker. That's not true at all. <laughs> my dad's name also John. Second name drop. Both of them the name John. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, we are pretty much coming up to the the end of our time now. So um, I feel confident that this time. We're not going to lose the episode. Great. I feel good that we've I've been monitoring it here. I feel like we've gotten everyone's uh, audio. And uh, yes, so this episode should make it and actually end up online um, and uh, hopefully fix that uh, four-week gap we had there where we didn't post anything. So. Yeah, I hope nobody missed us. Um, we've had uh, we've had some listeners. So okay. um, I don't want to say it out loud. I don't want to make anyone jealous, but uh, <laughs> it has been hasn't been that big, but uh, but has been way more than I expected. So thank you everyone for listening. Again, you f- always feel free to uh, reach out with any questions or comments or anything like that. Uh, but no one ever actually probably listens this long, so probably no one ever heard that. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's been pretty good. So we'll we'll certainly uh, be sure to get this one online, and uh, and hopefully no one missed us or just assumed that uh, the podcast ended. And then uh, hopefully we can set the next one up. But I know you're traveling, and, mm-hmm, and you're I'm traveling. I'm heading to. The Ukraine, which I suppose is weird to say because probably just Ukraine because <laughs> you don't say the – well, you do say the United States, don't you? Mm-hmm. But you don't say the America. No. you, you The England. Yeah, you wouldn't say – if there was um, the states of Ukraine, you would say the uh, – I'm going to Ukraine. That sounds weird. Yeah. I'm just going to say the whatever. <laughs> and uh, you are going back to sunny Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, to enjoy more of what, what what food are you trying to always trying to get me to go get there the noodles or something like that? Well, there's pho, which is the family restaurant. My wife's uh, family restaurant is oh, okay. Vietnamese beef noodle soup. That's pho. Huh. Then there's the ramen uh, and all the other uh, Asian cuisines that are it's not into alive. soups. Well, wait until you try a, a beef noodle soup. It's very good. Until you can put it on a sandwich, I don't think I'll okay. eat it. But a soup oh, sandwich, ah, there you go. Then you need to have the banh mi, which is a Vietnamese take on a French baguette sandwich, which is. I'm sold. Grilled, grilled uh, lemongrass. I love some baguette. It's literally the only French I speak. So, (laughs) (laughs) baguette. (laughs) Right now, nobody's listening for sure. (laughs) Definitely not. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and have a fantastic, I guess, two weeks until uh, until we're back. Bye. Bye. I miss you, Mike.